Hi, this is Sarah Goodman, Courtney Summers' editor and editorial director of Wednesday Books. This week, we're excited to share a special bonus episode with you all, an interview with Courtney Summers. A few weeks ago, she stopped by our studio and had a chat with myself and Melissa Albert, author of The Hazelwood. In this discussion, Courtney talked about her writing process and where the idea for Sadie came from. Up first, Melissa will be asking the questions. I'll be back in a bit. So, Courtney, your books feature complex portrayals of fierce, complicated women, and um, I love them for that. Why is it so important for teens' bookshelves to be filled with that kind of girl? I think it's important to portray female characters in all their raw complexity because as soon as you do that, you're showing female readers that they don't always have to be likable or the idea, the best idea of a girl to be loved and seen and heard. And what do you feel about that term, unlikable female character? The like, the term that seems to never go away and never seems to be applied to male characters. <laughs> That's true. I mean, to me, unlikable is just like a code word for human. I mean... I'll take it. If that's what it means to be unlikable, I'll gladly have my characters described that way. But um, I don't know, really. It's just, it's it, it follows me around my career. I've kind of embraced it. You have to. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't upset me or anything like that. It's, it's actually kind of something that I'm proud of because I'm not here to worry about if readers like my characters. What kind of girl were you? What kind of teenage girl were you? I was very, I was very, very good. Oh, interesting. Yes. I was afraid to do anything. Like, I didn't break any rules. I did drop out of high school. That's a big rule to break. Yeah, but okay. I had, see, I had my parents' permission. Uh-huh. So. Why? What was the story behind that? I just didn't like school. And your parents kind of trusted you and knew you that you knew yeah, yourself? Yeah, they were like, okay. I was very lucky that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, what, no more school. And they were like, okay. What That's your, very simplified. Oh, what was your next step? I decided I was going to figure out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. It's a very weird teenager. Well, how, what was your path to becoming a writer then? Were you already a writer at that no, point? No, I wasn't. I, I knew that, like, I think I reached a point where I knew I wanted to tell stories, but I didn't know how I wanted to tell them. So when I dropped out of high school, I was like, I'm going to be a famous actress, obviously. Oh, yeah. Like, of course. That's what happens. Right. And I was like, okay, maybe not. Maybe I'll just be a screenwriter, which was equally practical. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, maybe I'll just be a cinematographer, a photographer. No small dreams for Courtney yeah, I just it, it was always <laughs> like that. And then I was like, okay, well, I've always written throughout all of this. So I'm going to try a novel and see how that works. And, and you were still fit. a teenager at that time? Yeah, I think or? it was like 18 when I wrote my first novel. Cracked Up To Be was the fourth one I wrote. Mm-hmm. So it was oh. done in my, like, 20s. Okay. Time all blurs together now. I'm old. Were your themes kind of cemented from the start? Like we were already always interested in the same kind of themes? Yeah, I think they've all been about girls who are a bit challenging and mm-hmm. unpleasant, but with good reason. I put mm-hmm. them through a lot. Agreed. Yeah. So you yourself were a good girl, but you had this kind of fascination with bad behavior. Would you say? I guess kind of. Like, I mean, you're always interested in the life you're not living, right? Mm-hmm. Who isn't? So I guess it was something like that. And... One of your books that stands out um, as being quite different from the rest is This Is Not a Test, right. your zombie book. Can you talk about how that came to be? I love zombies. Like at that point, <laughs> in that point in my, because um, I was blogging then, I was always talking about zombies. So like anyone who was following me online, it was a sort of natural progression. But if you weren't, it probably would have been a little bit of a surprise. But at the same time, it's like, it's very much a Courtney Summers novel because it's about a girl who is struggling through depression through the zombie apocalypse and how that kind of shapes her perspective. So the themes are there. There's just like the undead brain eating things, 
know, to help. <laughs> that thing. <laughs> yeah, they help, you know, enhance the theme. Do you have any other kind of genre novels in you that you're dying to write? I'd one day like to return to certain elements of genre. Like, I like bringing in, like, the zombies as part of, a, like, a, a punctuation on a theme, kind of. So if I could find something like that again, I'd do it. So tell me a little bit, you said that your date, what became your debut novel was your fourth novel. Right. What about the first three that you wrote? What kind of stories were they, if you can talk about that a bit? The first two were, like, I guess you kind of would categorize them back then as new adult. Like, they were lost 20-somethings that sounded like teenagers, but they weren't <laughs> teenagers, but they might as well have been. And then the third one was a young adult novel, and then I was like, okay, that's it. That makes more sense to me. So then after it failed to go anywhere... Thank God, because it was very bad. Um, I wrote Cracked Up to Be, and it worked out. So your third, the third book that you wrote was when you kind of started getting right. into YA. Uh, what were the YA books you were reading while you were kind of becoming a YA writer? I was obsessed with Laurie Hall Sanderson's Speak. I loved The Chocolate War by Robert Cormier. Is that how you say his mm, last name? I think so. I've heard other people say Cormier. I loved all his books. I loved Christopher Pike. Oh, my God. Were you So you were like, I think it's like Beatles, Stones. It's like R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike, I feel. So you yeah. were like a Christopher Pike girl? Yeah. Okay. I loved, well, I did like, no, I felt like Goosebumps was like in direct competition. I don't know why, because they're not. But I, I thought Fear they were Street in com- is in like direct competition. Right, but I thought they were in competition. I thought Goosebumps was in po- competition with the Babysitter's Club. So I really, oh. I was, I used to like, I polled my entire class on the Babysitter's Club versus Goosebumps, and Goosebumps won. I was so mad. I was I'm so a mad. Card carrying, literal. So was I. Club. What? So was I. Did you get the camera? No. I got the camera. I got the fan club camera. Ugh, I got a little mirror that said Babysitters Club on it, and I had a card that I put in my little yeah, plastic they, wallet. Yeah, the fan club came the card. I, who was your favorite babysitter? Oh, I think it was Dawn. Dawn. Yeah. In and retrospect, crunch- she's kind of boring. Well, she's Should've a crunchy California, and she's like yeah, and she was like into crunchy granola. And she food. wanted to save I don't the know. planet. Yeah, the idea of granola was exciting to me as, like, a kid in the Midwest. I didn't know what it was, but it sounded good. And she was Marianne's other best friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who was yours? Stacy. I thought she was yeah. so New York cool, and she had all the boys. Yeah. Did she have boys? I don't remember. Did she ever? Yeah, there was Boy she Crazy had... Stacy. That was a whole book. Right. Yeah, and she had Sam. Didn't she date Sam? She did. I think she did briefly date Sam. And yeah, and one of the very, super specials. Yeah, she was upset about it. Yeah, and then he got, like, really possessive or something like that. Oh, my like, God, yes. Like, not shockingly yes. so, because it was a babysitter's club. But right. Sam had some issues, It wasn't, like, Sam Fatal Attraction yeah. babysitter's club super special. That would have been great. I would have read that. That would have been ideal. I would have definitely read that. <laughs> um, what else did you read as a kid? Oh, God, like, as a little kid? Yeah, like in your babysitter's club days. Uh, I existed only for the Babysitter's Club. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I had like 100 books, over 100 yeah, books. I, I know, joined the too. fan club multiple times. I called Kmart every day until the no. movie came out. I'm not <laughs> kidding. Like I was really into I wrote the guide before they made the guide. <gasps> so I wrote you, my own guide to the Babysitter's Club. You and like fanfic Babysitter's Club. Pr- well, no, it's just like a character profile of each one. It's like this is who everyone is and what they do. And then they had the actual guide come out. And they sued you for no. intellectual property. <laughs> I think that David Levithan did it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's amazing. Have you talked to him about it? No. Oh, I think that you need to. Yeah. Were you a diary keeper when you were a kid? For a while. And then I gave it up. Like, my okay. first diary I wrote when I was five years old. And there's two entries in it. And one is, will you marry me, Mark Paul Gosler? <laughs> and the other is, ghostwriter, are you out there? Ghostwriter. Yeah. Did you never see Ghostwriter? Oh, writer. There's a writer. ghost writer. Right. Yeah, ghostwriter. No, I don't know what that is. It was like a PBS show, and it was about a ghost um, who used words from books to communicate like the, with these teen sleuths. Oh, so that he'd write awesome. words in the air. So I wrote ghost. Oops. I wrote ghostwriter. Are you out there? 
And he never answered. Oh, my God. This is amazing. This is all solid gold. <laughs> okay. I need to know more about you as a kid now. Um, oh, God. Does anyone? <laughs> what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a kid? I said I wanted to be a geologist on Mondays and a singer on Sundays. So you wanted to work a two-day week? Yeah, that was And have it. a five-day weekend? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. That sounds about right for me. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Literally only those days. Uh-huh. Um, so who were the precursors to characters like Sadie, like this fictional females that you met as a reader that needed Ooh. to exist for you to, to get to a girl like Sadie? Jeez, that's a good question. I'm not sure. You know, I, I was always drawn, like, anyone, like, in TV or movies or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. I was, like, like... I think Dawson's Creek must have been a turning point for me because I started out hating Jen. Mm, and then you get... Me too. And, yeah, Joey hated Jen, and it's like, poor Joey. And then you get to season two, and it's like, wow, I hate Joey. <laughs> and it's just, I completely flipped. And then I was like, and then I, I was like a Jen Lindley fangirl for ages. And she was inherently misunderstood, wasn't mm-hmm. she? Yeah. Like, she went back to Dawson. Like, what did they did terrible things to her character. Let's talk a little bit about your writing process. Uh, okay. What does a day of writing look like for you? It's a night of writing. Oh, okay. Like into the night, staring at my computer, and then typing a word every now and then. Okay. That's literally <laughs> it, though. There's are nothing you, special about it. Are you a daily writer? I try to be. When I'm in the middle of a book, mostly between then and writing, you know, the idea stage, I'm doing nothing. So you do you read when you're working on a project, or do you try to like it's keep hard. your brain clean? It's hard. I can read, but I can I can read, but it's hard. I don't read nearly as often as I should. It's 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 different when you write. You know, when you're looking at things from like a craft perspective, all the time, it's just hard to fall into a novel the way you used to. Oh, do you find that you you like read differently than you used yeah. to? Yeah. So like every so often, a book has to come along and really like win me, which the Hazelwood did. Just oh, so thank you know. You. And um, but it's rare. Which sounds like a mean... It's because I can't stop thinking, technically. It's not a commentary on the book. It's of just course. like, I'm thinking too hard. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. Yeah. I became a copy editor for a while. And oh, God, that I would be hard. I couldn't read restaurant menus anymore. Oh, my God. I wanted to copy edit them. Um, what does your workspace look like? It's just a desk away from the window. Okay. That's a nice thing. It's Otherwise, like, I don't want to see the world. I don't want the sun to hit me. Mm-hmm. I'm a writer. So you're like a little bit vampiric in yeah, your I'm writing habits? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't, I don't know. Space really isn't important to me like that. I know some writers, like, have writers that really, you know, they've got it all laid out perfectly. I don't, I have Bob Ross, like, staring at me. <laughs> wait, and wait, I'm good, what? A little, you know, a little Funko Pop Bob oh, you Ross. Do? Okay. Yeah, so he stares down on my creative process. And, mm-hmm. you know, and as long as he's it. there, I don't care about anything else. With a happy little yeah. stream. There are no mistakes, just happy accidents. That's nice, I like that. That's going to guide my writing process for the rest of my life. Do you have any, like, writerly superstitions? It sounds like you don't. Not really. Okay. I'm not going to tell people about my, like, ideas on Twitter. Don't say things mm-hmm. out loud before I'm ready to. That's more like, that's just, like, practical. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right? That's just, like, a good idea. Do you have other creative outlets? I, like, I guess I play the piano sometimes. Okay. Look at that, kind of. Yeah. No. That's just writing. So tell me a little bit about the the first idea that became Sadie because it's just such a fantastic concept. It's um it marries a first person thriller right. with a podcast, Gosh. two different time like a true crime podcast, and it's right. two different timelines, and it's wonderful. And Thank I got you so totally much. sucked in when I read it, and I would so happy about that. Love to hear about the origins of the book. It was just at some point after all the rage, um, my fifth book, and then some point after Serial, I just started writing it. I it's it's so weird. I barely remember how that came to be it was just like there was a podcast on Mm -hmm. the page and then it 
went from there. So it's, when you started writing it, what came first was the podcast? It was the podcast. Interesting. Yeah. Did you know right away that you were going to go into Sadie's voice as well, or did that yeah, come later? Yeah, I was pretty sure I would because I didn't think a, a podcast throughout the whole thing wouldn't be, it wouldn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it, just, it was just there. It's so weird. I don't remember it now. I don't know why. Do Usually you, I remember everything that made something happen with my books, and I'm just like, and then there was Sadie. Out of the thin air. <laughs> and her voice, did that come to you kind of in a piece? That's, it It came, I think it's, I wrote it's it. hard to talk about the mysteries of creation. It I, is, it, it just happened, but like, you know, writing about angry girls isn't, it's, that's what I do. Mm-hmm. So her voice was just there. Where is, from what source is like the well of anger that you draw on yourself? I mean, there's so much to be angry about. Like, yeah. Is it? something that feels present for you all the time or is it something you access when you work? Yes, I'm just a little pressure cooker of uncontrolled rage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get I get easily aggravated about a lot of things. I mean, that's mm-hmm. why I write about like similar topics all the time because it's something that's making me angry. So I'm going to work that out in writing, I guess, over and over and over until I'm not angry anymore. That'll be my last book. You Your know, Courtney's book. finally happy. Like <laughs> Courtney Summers. No. Boy, I'm not crazy unhappy. Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when you began writing Sadie, did you have a feeling for where it was going? Like, did you know the ending? I didn't know the ending until we, like, got there. Okay. Is that yeah, how you like, usually work? We were, well, Sarah was helping me, Sarah, my editor, was helping me develop it the whole time, basically. So we would check in, like, every 50 or 100 pages. So the mystery was kind of like we were working it out together. I think for a while there, I kept, uh, this isn't a spoiler, I was going to keep the killer a secret, but it's oh, wow. revealed fairly early on. That, that took a while to untangle, and as soon as it did, it was just like figuring out the propulsion of that. But as soon as I knew that wasn't going to be a secret anymore, it was just like, it just kind of unfolded through a lot of editorial rounds. Hi again, it's Sarah. Thanks so much to Melissa Albert for stopping by. Hear the rest of her interview with Courtney on the Barnes & Noble YA podcast. Now I talk a little bit more with Courtney about what it was like to write Sadie. I wanted to talk a little bit about the role that violence plays in your books in general. Um, I think on one hand, obviously, and something that I've said about Sadie, that violence in Sadie really only occurs, well, obviously it occurs in the past tense to the main characters, but I think in terms of the violence that Sadie inflicts upon other people, it only is inflicted upon the the truly bad, the people who deserve it, which I think is important for her mission and important for readers to know about her. But I think actually on a lighter note about violence, and it's something that I think you actually have in all of your books is violence. Oh, yes, Um, I do. (laughs) I wanted to talk a little bit about just like very simply about the influences of writing violence into your books. I think you you mentioned a lot over the years, I think, in social media, how you're a video game player. That horror movies influence you. Do you think about when you're any, you know, sort of specific scenes from horror movies, or do video games influence the way that you write the violence into your stories? I don't think so. I don't think the violence in my book is particularly inspired by or influenced by any outside sources. I think I think they're what you know. There's viol- the acts of violence in my books are what 
is necessitated by the books. You know, I would never write something just because I thought it was cool or I was well, at least I would. Wait, I would never write anything because I thought it was cool. I don't write things I like. I'm thinking specifically if this is not a test, maybe. Or oh, God, scenes, you're right. That's or scenes where I feel like it's very, and I'm thinking actually just about the logistics of writing a violent scene, of just about the actual okay. placement of the characters in your head, even just about the actions on the page that you're, you, the, you write in such vivid detail. Right. Um, and I don't think you're ever gratuitous, actually. I think Thank that you. it always makes a lot of sense for the story that's happening. Good. Um, but I think you do it well. It's very visceral. Thank you. And so I wondered if your other sort of consumption of media influenced the way that you write those scenes. I mean, I don't want to say that I think, oh, I think violence is cool. You know, I want to write lots of people getting bloody. It's not even about that. I think it's actually just the actual like the painting of the scene. Like, I, the I painting of the scene. I think so much. There are so many scenes in your books that still stand out to me. Okay. And sometimes okay, I, I can't. And then when I'm thinking back about even, I'm never sure of like what made it into the books and what were just edited edited scenes even. Right. But I have such visuals of of just or even in some girls are you know there's right. these scenes where she's getting beaten up I just think and I, and again it's never gratuitous but it's visceral and I right. just always I wondered where okay. you pull that sort of inspiration from and inspiration is a okay. weird word to word I weird word to use here I know but I think that you paint the scenes so beautifully again another weird word to use when describing violence but you do well one thing I'm really conscious of when I'm writing violent scenes is the senses it's I, I don't think that I have intensely choreographed violent kind of action scenes in my books. I think I'm leaning really on the feeling, the emotion, um, the physical pain, how that feels, sort of just relying on sense, how it would feel to be hit, how shocking it is. I think I lean into that mostly. So it's it's... I don't even think it's that visual in my books. I think it's more about a sort of explosion of of feeling yeah. whenever I incorporate violence into a novel. Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. The pain. You feel yeah. the pain. Yeah. It's yeah, it's not like uh I feel like in one book it was sort of the the shock of being able to be violent. I think that's a consistent thread throughout my books is characters engaging in acts of violence being surprised by themselves when they do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And trying to paint that sort of shocked unexpectedness of it, even though at this point, I guess readers could count on it. Mm -hmm. Someone is going to get violent in a Courtney Summers novel. And quite often your characters are sort of recovering from a violent episode and sort of moving yeah. on. Like Sadie, I definitely have this hurts theme. now, but it's going to hurt way worse three days yeah. later. Or yeah. Or you know, you can feel the like after effects of the yeah, pain. Yeah, because you, you can't just move on from being physically, you know, like... I'll watch a television show and someone will get concussed and then they'll be driving a car five minutes later. That doesn't seem right, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Yeah, just right. yeah. Like it, it. I like. I want to deep dive into that if I'm going to put it on the page because then otherwise it doesn't seem to have a purpose, does it? On another theme, something that I find so inspiring when reading the podcast elements of this book and also the dialogue within the Sadie scenes as well. But I think particularly in the podcast elements, how seamlessly you, back, you go back and forth between live podcast moments when they're talking directly with Maybeth, with Wes right. talking directly with Maybeth, and then into the studio as well. And I know yeah. you've said you listen to a lot of podcasts too, but I always thought that there's a bit of a musicality to your writing. Thank you. To your dialogue, but also with the beats. 
of the podcast, the way you laid it out. And I wondered if you're you mentioned that you play piano. Right. If any, if your musical sense comes into play when you're writing I dialogue. I never said I played piano well, though. <laughs> but you understand music. You a understand, bit, yeah. I think, rhythm. There's think, a rhythm yeah. to this, to the way that the podcast is laid out. I read it out loud a lot, so you can get a real sense of the rhythm and the the beats of the episode. If it didn't sound right coming out of my mouth, it wasn't going to read like an effective podcast because you have to be able to hear it. If you can't hear it then it's it's not going to work on the page. I think it's more like, because um, at one point in being a teenager, in, at one point when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a screenwriter for a very brief period. And I used to write, I used to read scripts. I used to like go out and buy them, like, you know, Scream and all the Kevin Smith scripts. I used to buy them and I'd study them. I'd write my own scripts. So I felt like falling back into that again. Mm-hmm. It was there. I think that kind of stuck with me. So it's something between the audio element, like talking it out loud and then having that whole obsessive stage in my youth, I think it all came into play. And maybe the piano, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just I'm impressed how you were able to, you know, West will be talking to Carl Earl or whomever. Right. And then you kind of get the sense like, OK, he's done with him. And then you jump to another character and it just always made sense. It always was like, that's exactly what the reader wants. That's exactly the next step, the next beat that the reader is expecting without even knowing it. Well, you helped with that, too. But still. Because you always told me when it wasn't working. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Again, the weed whacker. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I do sense a musicality, a rhythm to your writing that maybe Thank you me. didn't know was there. But I feel it whenever I read it. And I, I think yeah. as an editor... Um, Whenever that rhythm goes off, it's oh, very yeah. apparent to me. Yes. I think probably when you're writing it, you lose track of it. But for oh, somebody yes. who's not in your head, no, like, you, like picking up you on the rhythm of your it. writing. Yeah, yeah. Right. I can count on that. Yeah, yes. right. Um, but from somebody who also really loves music, I've always thought that your writing had a definite like rhythm to it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I read it out loud a lot. Like That's what I do. I like to read it out loud. I think that might be the bigger component than like... Me knowing it, because I don't want to overcredit myself as a musical person. I can be very bad at music. So, uh-huh. yeah, I'm just going to say it's because I read it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've heard is actually the key to most sort of wrapping up the final edits of a book is to read it out yeah. loud, right? Yeah. Yeah, it has, yeah. You have to be able to hear it, I yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, not everyone does it, but I can imagine not doing it at this point. It's worked for me so far. Thanks again for listening to The Girls. You can now go find Sadie by picking up a copy of the book, audiobook, or ebook at any bookstore or retailer. Click the link in the show notes for more information.